Welcome to Your Next Home, the podcast that gives you the buying and selling know-how you need. I'm Shannon Reese, a realtor with over 10 years of experience selling property in both the Bay Area and New York City's Brownstone, Brooklyn. And I'd like to share it with you. Here at Your Next Home Podcast, I teach you all you need to know when you're planning to buy or sell your home, no matter whether you're a pro or it's your first time. I want to help you feel confident and informed. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome my first guest, Peter Fletcher of Windermere Bay Area Properties here in Alameda, California. He's been selling real estate full-time for over 35 years and has sold property in most of the nine Bay Area counties. Peter was elected president of the Alameda Association of Realtors twice, voted Realtor of the Year, and currently helps run the Realtor Marketing Group here in Alameda. He holds nearly every realtor designation, along with a master's in negotiation, conflict resolution, and peace building from CSUDH. You know a bit about Peter, so let's get started. Thanks, Shannon. It's fun to be here. All right. So what's your number one tip for a buyer or seller who's just beginning to dip their toe into the world of real estate? Well, you definitely want to find a real estate agent that you can trust. Um, so uh, someone who you who you know or someone who you get to know and where you are feeling really strongly that this is a person that you can trust. And this is a person that knows what's going on in the area and can articulate it to you so that you understand how the market is, is today uh, versus what it was last week because it's an ever-changing market. You're also going to need to talk to a mortgage broker because the mortgage is going to be essential for you to get a home it's going to be essential for you even to write an offer. They don't allow offers without a letter of, of pre-approval. So that takes quite a bit of doing. And so you want to find those people right off. Um, you're not going to know what the market is like by watching the, the evening news or reading the local newspaper. Usually those things are a little behind the curve. So if you want to know what's really going on, it's the people that are in the business and they're the ones that are going to get you where you need to go. Okay, cool. All right. I think that's great advice. Okay. What I want to talk about with you next is, you know, as a longtime well-respected expert in Bay Area real estate, would you give us your take on navigating and understanding the current real estate market? Well, as I just mentioned, getting those professionals lined up and in your cadre is terribly important, but you need to have search engines on your smartphone. You need to be able to find out what properties are coming on the market every moment. And you can do that. You know the ones, Zillow, Trulia, Redfin, Realtor.com. These are ones that you can put on your phone and in a moment know exactly what's on the market or what just recently went pending or just sold. So that'll keep you abreast of what's happening and, and get you started quickly. Okay. Tell me more, a little bit about what interest rates have done to the market in your opinion, because that's what everybody seems to be afraid of right now. <clears throat> Over my career, I have gone, I have seen the market go, I should say, from 2% to 20% interest rates. Wow. Um, the approach to those markets um, and those markets themselves are so vastly different one from the other that one actually has to ask the question, uh, how are interest rates, how is the market today? Today, the interest rates are somewhere between 7 and 8 for a 30-year fixed loan. The requirements to get those loans are difficult mm -hmm. because the prices of homes are still very high, unlike what people thought was going to happen where property prices would just come crashing down because the interest rates went up. It has not been so. We have seen property uh, values come down in some areas. We can talk about those later. And in single-family homes where there is little inventory, those homes might still be selling in a multiple offer setting and going for way over the asking price. Okay. 
Good to know. You know, the goal again is to get you confident, get you to understand what's happening so that you don't feel behind the curve when that time comes for you to buy that property that you've got your eye on. So we're going to talk about, we're going to focus on Alameda. We're going to talk about insight into local pricing and sales trends. And I think one of the first things we want to talk about, which you just hit on, was single family versus condo townhouses. So give us your perspective on the difference. Generally speaking, Single-family homes are more expensive per square foot than condos or townhomes. Townhomes oftentimes are number two in that scene and condos three. The difference might be if you were in a high-rise property overlooking San Francisco Bay. Mm-hmm. That home as a condo might sell for a fortune. The single family home way up in the woods somewhere might very well sell for a very modest price. So markets are distinguished by location, proximity to everything, including culture, not just a place to shop, to cl- to buy uh, clothes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind that we're talking about typical now. So typically, single family homes are going to be more expensive than townhomes, townhomes more, more expensive than condos. If you feel comfortable, can you give us a range of what you're seeing for, say, a typical 1,200 square foot starter house in Alameda versus a starter two-bedroom condo? Give us the, the difference in price range there. Okay. Just as a general theme, and this changes, actually, because the market is ever-changing. It's never quite the same. And the market can be as different on one block as, as, an, as it can be as if you went to a, the, the next city. So, you know, one might get a single family home, 1,200 square feet in Alameda for as little as eight or 900,000. If it were 1,500 and three bedrooms, it, it could be up in the million three, four. Typically, these are going to come on lower than they're expected to sell for and be bid up slightly in a, in a multiple offer setting. A townhome might very well sit for a bit and eventually sell for closer to the asking price. Again, depending on what price you put it at, if you uh, substantially keep it low, then you're going to go higher. If you put it on at what the seller is hoping to get for the property, and they, they might get a modest bump on that. You know, to kind of feed into what do you think makes the difference between the desirability of a townhome versus a single family home? What has been your experience of what the feedback you've gotten is? Everybody starts off with the idea that they want a big yard because it just seems like you're supposed to have a big yard. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really build a lot of big yards in homes that are built today. Properties are much more turnkey. I think they expect people to do a lot of traveling and so forth and and don't want the upkeep. But I think people still have that idea of a big yard. They'd like a two-car garage and they'd like, you know, other spaces beyond the bedrooms to either have entertainment or office space. And so that's harder to find in older homes because they weren't built on that template. Townhomes that are newer, if they're necessarily newer, might very well have some of those rooms in them, but they probably would have less yard. Condos, of course, won't have a yard. They might have a deck or they might have some common space, but they're not going to have a backyard typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just going to say, it sounds to me like, and I've experienced the same thing. People have, like you said, they want to start out with a single family home, the backyard, the American dream. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes reality sets in based on the price, or they've realized that their lifestyle doesn't lend themselves to constantly taking care of a property. And in fact, a townhome will suit them much better. It's true. And, and a townhome will have more amenities. They will have uh, walk-in closets or at least large closets. They will have newer kitchens and baths and they'll have double pane windows. They'll have a lot of the things that people really want and can't find in an older home unless it's been remodeled. Well, I don't know about you, but I've got a 1911 home. Love it. Beautiful inside. However, it's always a project to do. And do we have enough outlets? Absolutely not. We are constantly on the lookout for 
bring in the electrician. <laughs> you know, so it becomes like, oh, there's not enough plugs. Well, how do you remedy that, right? Whereas a townhome, depending on how old it is, is much more likely to have been built to suit your lifestyle of today. True enough. And if you buy a home where things already have been done and modernized, or it was built that way, the overall cost usually is less than if you buy an older home and remodel. Buying things that are already in place, uh, you're not pay paying the hard dollars that you are if you have a contractor come in and, and you've got hours and you've got labor and materials mm -hmm. uh, there. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment. We like the old homes, so we're willing to tough it out. What do you think? Yeah. I, I think everybody's different. And when you are working with an agent, the agent will help to bring out what you're really looking for. What is it you want? Where do you want it? I have always used the mantra, you need just enough, just enough, just enough size, just enough condition, just enough location, etc. rather than to have great expectations, which may exceed your ability to purchase and then cause you to feel as though you're never going to get what you want. Yeah. I hope you guys out there are starting to hear that Peter, he knows how to help guide you through and get you to see what's really what you need or want. Like he said, just enough. All right. We're going to move on to the next question, which is how long does it typically take time-wise? You know, I'm look, I'm excited. I figured out that I want a house, not a condo or a townhouse. I want a single family home. And now I've got budget of, let's say, one five. How long, if it's in decent shape, should I expect this house to last before I'm, I lose? So how do I win this house? That's a really good question, and it can't be answered uh, specifically. It okay. has to be answered in a general way. And that is the reason is because the markets are so different one from the other. As I said, even in the same city, homes down the block might sell overnight while others are sitting for two or three weeks. There's reasons for that. Some of it has to do with inventory. If there are a fair amount of homes on the market, uh, supply and demand typically works in favor of the buyer. If there are a few houses on the market, typically it's in favor of the seller. That's, again, that's the generality. It's not a very specific. Mm -hmm. And then where, where you are in a particular neighborhood where there are a lot of homes on the market, you might be on the market for a month or you could even be on the market for, for five or six weeks. Okay. That's an unusual thing. But whereas a year and a half ago, almost any home would come on the market or maybe even sell before it comes on the market, but certainly it would be sold in the first few hours or the first few days. And we've left those days behind for a while. Yeah, we have, we have. And I wanted you also to comment on, you know, condo townhouses. What can a buyer in today's market expect from a time horizon for that, roughly? In terms of, of um, how long that property will stay on the market before somebody buys it up and you don't have an opportunity. That's right. I think these are questions that are best asked the agent that you're working with at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and that person can speak to the listing agent, find out all they need to know, find out how many people are looking at the disclosures, which are all online now, and get a sense of how much it's being shown, whether or not people are asking the question, when are offers due? Um, that's always a trigger to let people know that you're thinking about buying this home. Mm -hmm. So um, those kinds of questions will help to hone in in any given market and help the potential buyer uh, get an idea of how long they have to, to uh, step forward. Okay. Cool. Thank you very much. This is meant to give you guys a general overview of what we're trying to teach you, which it's not, nothing is written in stone. It's all knowledge. And then how do you apply it to uh, win in your particular situation? Okay. So next we're going to move on to insurance. So here in California, this has become a big topic as of late. It used to be something that you only needed to confirm was in place just before the closing would happen. 
that has drastically changed. Um, Peter, would you help buyers and sellers understand how the changing insurance market, the requirements, and the timing now affect them? So in recent uh, days, I've had quite a bit of conversation with my go-to insurance person. And what I have found is that uh, all over the state, insurance companies are pulling out. They're leaving the state because of wildfires, because of floods, because of earthquakes, et cetera, et cetera. These things cause uh, the insurance companies to get below their comfort level of losses, and they begin to write policies that are two and three times or more uh, the cost that they were last year. As you pointed out, it used to be just a, you know a, a, a given. You'd make a call and say, hey, here's my address, here's the name of my new buyer, you know, put a policy on, we're closing Monday. Now, we, the lead time for that is a couple of weeks, and there's no guarantee that in that couple of weeks, the insurance companies that you're going to be working with, whether they're individual companies working with a single agent or whether you're getting, working for somebody who's brokering to a number of, of agencies, those numbers could change literally before you close escrow. So um, you need to get out there early. As soon as you begin to look for property, you should be starting to have conversation with your agent about insurance companies and who the go-to person is for that agent. Totally understand. And I think that's a great answer for uh, you know making sure that people understand that it is incredibly important these days. It, uh, it can't be understated because if you don't have insurance, you will not be given a loan. Just want to underline that. Yep. Do you agree with that? Uh, totally. Yeah. Okay. The only way you can avoid insurance is if you pay cash. And if you don't have insurance on a home that you paid cash for, you are really rolling the dice. <laughs> exactly right. Okay. So we're going to move on to a just for fun question. All right. So that we can take it out of the serious mode here for a second. And what I wanted to ask you is, Peter, what's one thing people, most people don't know about you? And how has it shaped your life and views on real estate and all that, all that great stuff? So actually more people are beginning to, to hear about my musical side. Um, I've been a DJ and an MC probably as long as I've been a real estate agent. I do car shows. I do class reunions. I do weddings. I do personal pro- uh, parties and so forth, kind of all over town. And as it turns out, now I'm doing them kind of all over the Bay Area. I don't do a lot. I pick and choose what I think works. My genre is 50s and 60s oldies, so I'm a, a rock and roll oldie guy. And I try, to, I try to perform where that makes sense. Yes, but if anybody's needing a DJ out there, he actually does some 70s and 80s, maybe some 90s too, right? <laughs> yeah, just true de- enough. Just depends on the client. So, that's right. I, that's not his sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> I can stretch it a bit. Yeah, exactly. What's the one thing you'd like to add or make sure that a buyer or seller comes away knowing today after hearing what you've said? Well, an awful lot's been said recently about whether or not a buyer's agent is a necessity. What I would say is this. I believe that a buyer and a seller's agent are essential in every transaction. And and although each individual is working in an agency that has them working exclusively for their client, there is a working together in order to try to bring together a harmonious uh, transaction where both parties come away uh, satisfied. That should almost always be the goal. The only way that that wouldn't be the goal is if somebody were working for both sides as a dual agent, which I've always... uh, 
uh, although it's not illegal, it is uh, a very difficult thing to accommodate. So if you're an agent and you're working for a buyer and a seller at the same time, one would have to answer a question as to how you satisfy both parties. In my opinion, it's better off to have two agents working in that case and working diligently to try to satisfy both parties. Okay. Well, again, Peter, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today and- Happy to be here. All right. Excellent. Hope everybody listening feels like they got a good idea of how to navigate and understand the current real estate market. As the weeks roll by, come back for great content and learn how to become an empowered buyer or seller. My goal is to give you the confidence to get out there and buy or sell that home you've got your eye on. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Your Next Home. I'm your host, Shannon Reese. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to me, Shannon Reese, here at Your Next Home podcast that teaches you all you need to know when you're ready to buy or sell your home. So subscribe now for alerts to new episodes so you won't miss the next topic that will help you make the best possible decision. Take that next step with confidence. See you next time.